Mason Rudolph might not be good enough. Dwayne Haskins might not be good enough. But what, what about, just thinking out loud here, some kind of combination of the two? Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer up Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. It's not as if there aren't examples all across the NFL now of quarterback A and quarterback B alternating snaps for one purpose or another. Almost always, it's because one of them is more of a pocket passer and the other one is more of a threat to run. But you'll also see that when the quarterback who is the threat to run, like Taysom Hill, will come onto the field and the defense sets itself for that, that the quarterback will try to surprise everyone and run a play that the other quarterback would have run. It's not prevalent, but it's common enough. It exists. And if the Steelers were to attempt it in 2022... It's not as if they'd be revolutionizing anything, okay? So I'm going to start with that. The idea isn't radical. The question is, would it make sense? And my initial reflexive reaction is no, because I don't see a whole lot of daylight between Rudolph and Haskins. I know others might, and I know there are some differences, and I'll get to those in a minute. But I don't see them as having, either one of them, some extraordinary trait that you can't help but keep on the field to some extent. You know, when you're thinking of, like Cordell did it for a little while here. Cordell Stewart, of course. Where, yeah, there were times that he was the full-time starter. There were also times that he was part-time. He was the gimmick guy. He was slash. He would come on. So this isn't even unprecedented in franchise history. And if you really want to get technical, Mike Tomlin has been publicly open to the idea as recently as the past year, mentioning Josh Dobbs in that vein. By the way, Josh Dobbs still exists, hasn't rocketed off into outer space in his own homemade rocket ship or anything like that. Don't rule out that he could be involved in some capacity as well. But where these two quarterbacks are concerned, I feel like the case that you'd have to make is that each one does something so well, to reiterate from earlier, that there's a real gain to be had and a real threat to what they're doing because the other side is going to know to adjust to that particular player trotting onto the field and into the huddle. And if they can stop that play that you feel is unstoppable, then you're kind of wasting your time. So you have to split, really, what each of these guys does well at an extreme. 
This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. Mason Rudolph can throw a terrific, almost effortless deep ball. And I wouldn't judge him too harshly based on the one start that he had this season because I'm sorry. You can say whatever you want about how backup quarterbacks need to be prepared and all that other stuff. He still had to go out there cold. And if we can forgive an 18-year veteran in Ben Roethlisberger for about three years of lousy first quarters because he just couldn't get warmed up, it seems fair to give a mulligan to the kid who came in halfway into the season and was just out there running a really uninspired playbook with uninspired, or in some cases, I think, I believe, non-existent route trees for his wide receivers. In general, and over time, Rudolph has shown a pretty good arm when it comes to connecting on deep and intermediate routes. And what was the Steelers' greatest missing element on offense over the past year? I don't think any of us would argue that it was exactly that. So he brings that. He's more mobile than most people will realize. And if you'll recall, he had one of the Steelers' biggest gains on the ground this year in that start that I'm referencing. But he's not exactly someone that you would consider to be uh, a threat to run against an opponent on any kind of consistent basis. It'd be more a case of just taking what's there in a given situation. But he can get out of the pocket, and I feel like that has to be thrown in. Now, Rudolph also has this odd propensity for not showing the right touch on shorter passes. Uh, He'll fire bullets when he needs to fire softies, and he'll do vice versa. And it's really, really weird sometimes. And that makes his game management come into question. Can he get better? Sure. Absolutely. He got a lot better, I believe, from 2020 to 2021. And I'm not the only one who feels that way. So then there's Haskins. Haskins has, I don't think anybody would dispute this, the strongest arm of the two. He had the strongest arm of anybody in the quarterback room this year. And there were points in training camp and last preseason where he was just threading needles. I remember Ben's great line about how Haskins looks like he could throw a football through a car wash without getting it wet. It was those kinds of passes. Now, Haskins can also put up a deep ball, and Haskins can run, and Haskins can run better than Rudolph. Haskins is not Lamar Jackson. He's not Josh Allen, but he can run. Could he turn into the kind of running quarterback where he would be some kind of threat to put up 
you know, 60, 70, 80 yards per game. I don't see that. I don't see that. But I do see a guy who's a better athlete than Rudolph is. So what you'd have to do to some extent with both of these guys, if you wanted to prepare both of them for a competition that could conceivably end up with both of them getting some kind of active role in the offense, it feels to me like it would be fair for Tomlin or whoever his new offensive coordinator is, yes, I'm holding out hope, could go to both of them with a specific menu. Hey, this is what we're looking for from you. We want to see this, 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 and this. Yeah, we want you to be a complete quarterback. We have to have you available to be a full-time starter, depending on how things play out. However, however, in the event that you're both part of this offense and that we add some elements of trickery and deception and anything else to try to take attention away from this offensive line, then here's what it is that you have to be really good at. Here's what it is that you have to excel at. I don't think this is going to happen, but I'm not going to rule it out either. And in fact, the more I talk about it in this particular segment, the more I'm kind of liking it a little bit. At least be open-minded. At least, you know, think a little bit outside the box here. You don't have a star quarterback, but you might be able to cobble together something that kind of Frankensteins your way closer to it. When we come back, just one question. J1Q, and today's goes to Buck, who asks, how can you honestly think wide receiver is a bigger need than cornerback or inside linebacker? I'd even go so far as to say defensive line is more important, too. Buck is referring to yesterday's episode in which I stated without hesitation on my end a sentiment that the Steelers' first-round pick should be an offensive lineman. You know, class-permitting, player being available and all that. All things being equal, I'm taking an offensive lineman. And for the second round, I said that I'd really be looking at wide receiver. And I had a feeling that was going to meet with some resistance, and along comes Buck. Well, one of the points that I made in this argument, Buck, yesterday was that I wasn't getting into need as much as I was draft need or players who would best solve my problems through the draft versus players I could acquire through other means. No position is deeper and more readily available year to year to year in the modern NFL draft than wide receiver. My feeling is that you'd be able to get yourself an almost star-level guy if you do well in selecting. And the Steelers have been pretty good when it comes to drafting wide receivers, a lot better than they have at corners, I should throw in parenthetically. An inside linebacker, you know, I, I, 
I wouldn't be offended by inside linebacker because I don't know what I'm going to get out of Devin Bush, but I do know that Bush is going to get another chance. I also know that inside linebacker is one of those positions where if you have an option to make a trade or to get someone through free agency, you're going to be a lot better off because there's a lot to the position. There's a lot to learning, especially if you're going to get involved in wearing the green dot and everything else that goes with it. I'd feel better about a veteran there and a rookie at wide receiver. Corner, though, I'm not sure where you're coming up with that. That's the only part of this like that I was, as I saw your question, I was like, I'm not even sure what to do with that. I'm not saying that the Steelers have, you know, nothing but Mel Blunted corner, but even with Joe Hayden gone, you need to keep Akella Witherspoon. You're going to keep, because he signed, Cameron Sutton. And I know you can't be talking about the nickel because we're talking about the second round of the draft, and no one would draft a nickel corner in the second round. So I'm not really sure what it is that you want me to do with that part of it. Uh, Again, I'm not saying that, you know, Witherspoon and Sutton are the be-all and end-all, but you had yourself a pretty good secondary, including including when Hayden went down. And, And I wouldn't be dumping on it and I certainly wouldn't be taking a second round pick you know but you know feel free to get back to me and and explain what it is that you meant there I appreciate the question I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers and we will do another one tomorrow You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.